Welcome to episode 21 of the SSR podcast, also known as the first episode of New Reads November. For one month only, we're kicking our typical throwback titles to the curb and focusing instead on YA books published in the last two years. I've had so much fun diving into these new reads and discovering how the genre has changed over the last several decades, and I can't wait to share these episodes with you. The first book of New Reads November is When Dimple Met Rishi, written by Sandhya Manon and published in 2017. It has a wildly fun cover, think iced coffee and beautiful henna, and an even more fun premise. Crazy career-driven Dimple meets the more family-focused Rishi at a summer coding conference called InsomniaCon. Here's the twist. Both teens are Indian-American, and everyone except Dimple knows that there's a greater plan in place to hopefully arrange a marriage between the two of them. She puts a stop to the idea immediately, and Dimple and Rishi instead spend the summer working together on an app, choreographing a Bollywood routine, getting to know each other, and maybe, just maybe, falling in love all on their own. Over the course of their time at InsomniaCon, they face off with a group of so-called cool kids whose talent show act lends them the nickname Drunk Zombies. They also bond with Rishi's younger brother Ashish, argue about whether or not Rishi should pursue his love for art and graphic novels, and compare their experiences with their Indian culture. The book is a celebration of tradition and first love, and I'm just going to let you know right up front that I really enjoyed it. Today's guest is Laura Yameen, book blogger and podcaster behind the What to Read Next podcast. On What to Read Next, Laura interviews guests about their reading and asks for their book recommendations. I was lucky enough to be interviewed on the show a few weeks ago, and it was so fun. You can give it a listen on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Play. Laura is a voracious reader who finishes more than 200 books every year across all genres. Follow her on Instagram at lauryameenreads and check out her blog at whattoreadnextblog.com. As always, all of these links will be available in the show notes for this episode at www.ssrpodcast.com. Don't forget to be sure that you're subscribed to SSR on whatever platform you're listening and to join us on social media. We're on Instagram and Twitter at SSRpod, and you can find us on Facebook by searching the SSR Podcast. If you could share that you're listening to and loving the show on your social media platform of choice, it would be so appreciated. Please tag us so I can check out your posts. Are you ready to kick off New Reads November? I know I am. Let's go to the show. Welcome to the SSR Podcast. You may recognize SSR as an elementary school era abbreviation for silent sustained reading, but if you don't, that's okay. What it stands for here is Shit She Read. Each week, we'll crack the binding on an old school read written for kids or teens and talk about it from a kind of grown-up perspective. We'll obsess over heartthrobs, relive the frustrations of middle school, and say an occasional WTF to a beloved author. If we haven't met yet, I'm your host, Ali Hofkosik freelance writer, lifelong bookworm, and lover of anything covered in rainbow sprinkles. So find your favorite reading spot and a glass of wine. We're about to revisit some literary throwbacks right here on the SSR Podcast. Hi, Laura. Thank you so much for joining us on SSR. I'm so excited to be here. I've been listening to the show since it started, so it's one of my go-to guilty pleasures every Tuesday. So I'm excited to be here. I am so honored. I've always dreamed of being a guilty pleasure. (laughs) You sure are. Oh, and you are the first inaugural trailblazing New Reads November guest. So this is extremely exciting. I'm excited. I love this book, although I had some thoughts about it. So I'm excited to talk about it. That's the best way to start a recording of this show. (laughs) Loved the book, have some thoughts about it. So I think this is going to be a great chat. We are talking about When Dimple Met Rishi, which was written in 2017. Again, as a reminder for listeners who are just coming to this episode, maybe as the first time you've listened to SSR, 
Typically, we cover throwback titles, so books that maybe would have been written in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, books that kids that were growing up in like the 90s, early 2000s would have read when they were growing up. But as a fun twist, for the month of November, we are reading books that have been published in the last year or two and kind of comparing like how new and emerging YA and middle grade is tackling some of the issues that maybe older authors have fallen short on. So this is a really cool one. And I'm really excited that you picked it, Laura. So thank you. Thank you for inviting me. So why did you choose this book? I know that you read it prior to deciding to reread it for SSR. So I'm wondering what made you pick this book up off the shelf originally and then why you chose it to revisit for the show. Yeah, so I think about this book. I read it last year when it came out. I love the cover, so it was intriguing. And I love this whole storyline between arranged marriage and the whole setup about this woman. And so I ended up buying the book, which is not something I typically do. I typically read from the library and I don't buy books. I just buy them if I like them. So I gave it a five-star rating. So I was like, I love this book. This is awesome. So when the mention of the different books were offered for New New Week's November, I was like, I want to reread this book. This is definitely one of my go-to and I already have it, which is even better. It was one of those things where I just, it felt like that was the right book to pick. Funny enough, I read it and actually had thoughts. I was like, oh my gosh, there's some problems here. <laughs> so my five-star rating, it went down to 3.5 stars. I lost a couple stars <laughs> after reading it. Yeah. It's so funny because, again, as, as people that listen to the podcast a lot know, I usually have to ask guests, like, did I ruin this book for you in revisiting it 10, 15 years later? So this yeah. is the first time that I've ruined a book for somebody within like months. <laughs> I know. I think it has changed. My reading taste has changed over the past year, so I think that's been a big part of it. Okay. So I used to read a lot of YA, a lot of contemporaries during the summer. So, you know, Morgan Madsen, Siobhan Vivian, Jenny Han. So even Sundai Menon, I read her I read her second book and I actually couldn't finish. So I was like, my gosh, my reading taste has changed over the past year. I've been reading more adult books this year. Okay. So I think that has shifted. Um, but the other part was just kind of like a sense of, you know, I'm growing up and I'm maybe I just grew up in the past year where I was like, I want to think about world issues or more grown-up topics and sometimes the romance and the, you know the expectation that this is going to be for the rest of your life it just feels like well that's not true <laughs> you know adults you'll be adulting and this romance is you know it's high school it's puppy love it's not for the rest of your life yeah r.i.p to puppy love right so sad yeah. so sad well let's talk about the good first so yeah. since you did read this more recently kind of yeah. without the critical eye because i am yeah. very aware and i want to put this out there publicly I am very aware when I'm reading books for the podcast that I can be a little bit of a grump. Mm -hmm. I'm looking for things to talk about. I really put my hardcore feminist hat on often, especially with the throwback books, because there's a lot of stuff there that needs to be discussed. Mm -hmm. So I totally understand if maybe on the second time around, when you were reading it for SSR, maybe you were a bit more critical. And I'm all for that because it gives us a much richer conversation. But let's backtrack a little because you gave it a five-star review, and I want to know where that came from. I happen to have really enjoyed reading this book, and yeah. let's swap notes on some of the things that we really liked about it. So what I really like about it, I love Rishi. I think he was a great character. He was well-developed. He was just present. He had some interest. I love the whole comic subplotting about it and how he found himself through the process, but I couldn't see in Dimple. So I think that was my issue. Is like Dimple was just whiny and just kind of like, you know, she was angry at her parents 
parents. And I was like, I want you to just not be that angry. Your parents mean well. I appreciate the parents, even though they mean well, this whole arranged marriage situation. But when I gave them the five stars for me, it was about just getting, you know, the whole process of going to STEM coding camp, which seems like fun. And then having this great guy who was just present. And he was like, I just want to be your friend, <laughs> you know, even though he tried to make the jokes about like future wife, he thought there was a possibility here and he wanted to just know. So I think character Rishi was the one who gave me the five stars. Rishi is definitely swoon worthy. For a little bit of context, Dimple and Rishi are clearly the main characters in the book, as is clear yeah. from the title and from our conversation so far. Dimple is this sort of like very intense, career-driven, super steeped in American culture girl, mm-hmm. although her parents are immigrants from India. And she's really like pushing aside a lot of the things that they want for her, especially as it relates to family and marriage. Mm-hmm. And Rishi is the opposite in that he is the oldest son in his family. His parents were also immigrants from India. And he is really taking a lot of responsibility for the expectations that his parents have for him with respect to family. He has a younger brother who is like a basketball star and like (laughs) has no interest in sticking with the expectations of the family. So he's kind of like on the straight and narrow. He's going to do exactly what his parents want. They both end up at something called InsomniaCon, which I thought was so fun. It's like a coding conference. I'm sure there are things like this now. And Dimple goes because she really wants to be a successful coder. She's getting ready to go to Stanford. And Rishi shows up there because we find out that their parents have conspired in hopes that the two of them will meet and fall in love and sort of like, well, I guess maybe not even fall in love. It doesn't really seem that that's the point. The point is that they will get married. Um, It'll be an arranged marriage, a modern arranged marriage, which is still a thing. I think we forget that. I happen to have a few friends that are Indian and I was talking to them about this and they were saying like, yeah, this is still a thing that happens in our culture. It's not that big of a deal. It's obviously not something everybody wants, but like people think this is a thing of the past and it's not. Yeah, it's not. It's, it's something it's, it's relevant. It's culturally relevant. I love the Indian culture that I just brought up. This whole idea of going back to India. What's your experience looks like when you're going back to India? When Dimple experienced where she said that she felt too American and then in America she felt too Indian. And it's like this whole discourse about culture that was happening and, you know, the Bollywood references and her mom specifically putting together, you know, how she wanted Dimple to look like because she wanted to have ideal ideal Indian husband, you know, and having this whole process with it, which is a great cultural discourse that happens, especially in YA. We don't typically see, for YA romans, we don't see that much um, cultural discourse. And certainly not in the books that we've discussed on the podcast before, which is why we wanted to do New Reads in November, because I don't know that I can think of a single Indian character that we've discussed on SSR to this point. We never got to meet an Indian character, at least in my memory growing up. YA and middle grade books of our generation were were super whitewashed, to put it bluntly, and in large part still are. So the fact that a book like this came out last year and has done so well is awesome. I'm going to read a quote that I found in a um, an article on Bustle that came out last year around the book's publication. And the writer of the article got a chance to interview the author. And she said, our stories are usually about our meaning the Indian community. She says, our stories are usually about us being terrorists or rapists or about us overcoming the odds to rise above the slums and become doctors. There's a danger in that single story because it flattens your perspective of what you can achieve in life. It's isolating and it feels like no one really sees you. Brown teens need to see themselves falling in love, making mistakes, dabbling in art, and being happy. 
And mm-hmm. I think that just kind of like nails why it's so important that a book like this exists. Yes. And I, you know, I had a chance to read other books with other Indian characters and I find out that's so interesting, you know, just get you, I feel like when you read books, you want to be transported to a different culture or different experience, different city. And so that has been, for me, it's been a great experience to get to know what's experience like to be Indian American here. What is different from my own experience of being Puerto Rican who happens to live in New York. So just kind of like being able to see the cultural discourse of, you know, what it means to be an American, what it means to be having your culture, your home culture be different. Um, and just having that experience to look like. I think I need to sort of put a disclaimer out there you know, you sort of opened this up for me to mention. And it's a hard thing to talk about. It's a hard thing to put out there on the podcast. We discussed it briefly in the Little House on the Prairie episode. My guest and I sort of had an extensive conversation about not wanting to insert ourselves in a narrative that wasn't ours. And in a similar way, I just want to be very clear here and say, like, I'm a white 28-year-old woman discussing this book, which was written by an Indian woman about two Indian teenagers. Mm -hmm. And it's heavily steeped in Indian culture. That doesn't mean that I can't learn something from it. It doesn't mean that there aren't parts of it that I can relate to. In fact, there's a lot that I can relate to because we all share so many experiences. Yeah. Um, And I think it's worth noting that, unfortunately, for so many decades and decades and decades, people of other cultures and other backgrounds have had to engage with primarily whitewashed content. And so I like to think that it's okay for me to speak to a book like this as a white woman Um, in the same way that other people have had a chance to speak to books that were about primarily white characters. That being said, like I understand that some people might take issue with some of my thoughts on this. Um, I certainly don't pretend to be able to relate to a lot of the really specific cultural issues here. And I'm happy to hear that you're open to sharing a little bit maybe about how your experience growing up as a Puerto Rican child and now Puerto Rican woman can like kind of compare and contrast to the experience that Dimple and Rishi had in a book like this. So I just want to put that out there. Um, I'm obviously open to any feedback. If you want to send me an email about this, hello, SSRpod at gmail.com. Please be polite, but I do want to be honest and sort of like open that dialogue. But like I said, there's a lot that I related to in this book and I'm excited to dive into it both about culture and also just about like being a teenager, which is something that we've all experienced. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. For me, I love the way she shared her experience about being Indian American and how much, you know, she was also into the whole career aspect. And so she was, she was denying her Indian culture, her mom's influence. She was like, I don't want to be like my mom. She wants me to find a husband. She wants me to do this. So she was kind of like having that struggle with her own culture. And that's something that happens when you're in the teenage years where you just, you're struggling with what you grew up with, what your parents are telling you and the angst that happens. And then being able to, and that angst in her case was the culture aspect of it and then just kind of like come to terms when she meets Rishi and he brings up you know all the positive things about the culture and the experience when he says when he went to visit India and how he actually felt connected and so it brought up this new idea of like you can actually embrace it that it's not something you have to be complete denial and so I think for me my experience I grew up in Puerto Rico I lived there for 18 years I went to college in Syracuse but I was a white passing Puerto Rican So I look 
you know, I'm fair skinned. I don't, I lost my accent within, I don't know, six months of being in Syracuse. So for a long time, people were like, where are you from? And I'm like, I'm from Puerto Rico. And like, you don't look Puerto Rican. I'm like, but I am. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, I am. I was born and raised there. I had a culture. And for, I would say for the first 10 years I was living in the States, I denied my culture. I didn't want to connect with it. I was like, I don't want to be part of it. I'm just going to Americanize myself because I was so, I, was, I can identify with Dimple with a being so focused in the career aspect of being like, I want to be the best. I want to be known for being a woman and being, you know, the top of my career as opposed to what's my culture aspect, like having a relationship or, you know, speaking the language or cooking meals and doing the things that my mom did. And I think now, you know, it's like coming to terms that I was like, I want to bring back to that culture. I want to go back to it and connect with it. And so making friends who can speak the language or even talking in my job that I can speak Spanish. That's something that I wouldn't, I would normally hide it. Now I'm like, no, I totally speak Spanish. I can actually help you. Um, I can connect with that part of it that I can identify with Dimple. And I think, I hope that I can be like Rishi where I can embrace my culture more. Um, but one of the things about YA books is that their books are starting to talk about my experience as a white passing Puerto Rican. And it's kind of fun to watch those books happen mm. in the YA because I see it more in the YA. There's more diversity within the books are coming out they're they're starting to talk that's supposed to adult contemporary that their conversation their discourse about this experience that your experience can be shared with another audience there are other places you can actually find connect with other characters Hmm. Well, I love that. I love that you can relate to Dimple in some ways, but that, as you mentioned before, and we kind of got off track from this, you don't have to like her. Like, you relate to her experience as it sounds like you are finally able to start to relate to experiences that are being shared in other YA books, but that doesn't necessarily mean that she's your favorite character. I struggled with her a bit as well. I couldn't quite decide how I felt about her. I really admired her pluck and her, like, sass Mm -hmm. and her low tolerance for bullshit. I love that she called people out um, when she felt like they were just completely trying to (laughs) sweet talk her and just BS her like she just wasn't interested and I think that's really cool it's neat to read a young character like that who has so much who just has like so much conviction and everything that she says and that she does that being said she was a little shrill like shrill is not a great word to use with a woman I know but I mean it in a very specific way in that I felt like when I think about the tone of her voice with her parents and the way that she was like addressing these cultural issues with them it came off in this very like rude I just could picture it in my head her being like very like high-pitched and whiny and I don't think that that's a great way to approach these conversations and um, I have a quote that I pulled out from page six of the book so we're jumping into it very early she says to her mother seriously that's what you think I should be relegating my brain space to looking nice like if I don't make the efforts look beautiful my entire existence is nullified nothing else matters not my intellect not my personality or my accomplishments my hopes and dreams mean nothing if I'm not wearing eyeliner and I get it like like you said it's a little bit of angst she's channeling her angst into these cultural conversations but like she's so defensive and she turns every conversation with her parents where they're just kind of like maybe noting that it would be cool if she met a guy she's turning it into this like massive debate about whether or not it's okay for her to pursue a career I I don't know it was just it was like a lot for me yeah it was like a temper tantrum it was like a toddler how many temper tantrum like you're stealing my toy it was like constantly saying you know you gotta do this and it's like this whole world war three you know scene 
that happens over it. You know, she's like, I want to go to Insomnitron. And then, you know, when she finds out about whole Rishi happening and she goes to her parents and she just throws a temper tantrum where the reality is their parents just want her to meet a guy. That was all. <laughs> they were not expecting they were going to get married that summer. It was just like, we just wanted to meet this person. That's all. Right. And I, I guess like in this cultural context, maybe it would feel like there's more pressure. And again, I can't speak to the pressure that you feel as an Indian American teenager to like keep up with some of these traditions and to like meet a nice fellow Indian American teen who you can like have a lovely life with. I, I can't pretend to understand those specific kinds of pressures. But I think at different stages of our lives, we've all had to listen to family members be like, so like, are you going to meet somebody nice? Like, are you seeing anyone? And that pressure gets to everyone and it is annoying, but most of the time it is well-intentioned. Your family members just want you to be happy. They want you to be confident and well taken care of. And so I guess perhaps her defensiveness about it and her like gut reaction every time it came up was maybe in response to the fact that there was this additional cultural pressure placed on the conversation. And that's, like I said, that's not something I can understand. But it just got old, right? But like she was just constantly picking fights with her parents through the whole book. And it's like, we get you're smart. We get you're ambitious. We understand you're going to go to Stanford and probably take over the world. And I'm all for that. Like, rah, rah, women in STEM. That's awesome. But it would have been nice to read a female character who like was ready to be a little bit more well-rounded. You know, like you can have a kick-ass career and still be a mom and still have a great relationship, but maybe layer with the cultural pressure. It doesn't feel that way to her. I'm not sure. Maybe the cultural pressure or her mom's pressure to find a nice husband. You know, mm-hmm. maybe that's the topic, the conversation that has been going on for years. So she's like finally out to here. She's like, I'm done. I just want to have a career. Like it's this either or it's this black or white and it's also being a teenager it's black or white there's no gray areas it's like I'm gonna be successful (laughs) you know I won't have kids you know I wouldn't do this I wouldn't do that and it's like okay you know maybe with a few years maybe if we revisit Dimple like five years later after being Stanford after she takes over the world with her app maybe you know she'll be able to say okay I can have a relationship and I can have this I can have that you know, having the opportunity. But I think maybe the rhetoric that she gets from her mom is that you just need to be pretty to find a husband. So maybe she feels like that's the only thing that she can not only have a conversation with her mom about that, that she may not feel comfortable to have a conversation about other topics. Yeah, well, and there's a temptation too, I think, when you're a teen, and especially when you're going into college, to like put yourself in a box and to kind of like rally yourself around a cause because you want to be able to go to college sort of like defining yourself, right? Like you want to be able to reinvent yourself in a certain way or to hyper invent yourself with, the invention that you've already created about who you are, you want to be able to walk onto a college campus and be like, this is who I am. This is what I believe in. This is what I'm about. And if you don't like it, we don't need to be friends because it's not high school anymore. I definitely had that attitude going into college. And it's just interesting the way that it was written in this book. It just made me unsure about Dimple. And it's interesting that you really liked her the first time or or liked her more the first time. And then it sounds like you turned sour on her the second time you read the book. Yeah, I think for me, Dimple is like, I think maybe my level of tolerance for bullshit Mm. just became kind of like, I just couldn't stand the the tamper tantrums. I got it. I got that she was angry at her parents, but I was like, you know, 
your parents mean wow like they're not they're there for you and maybe it's like my own relationship with my parents has shifted like all just different things have shifted in my life that I just I realized I can actually have it all and the way it is and so as opposed to being like you know having the anger the angstiness towards it I think for me example like I think I looked at her in a critical eyes this time around than the first time the first time around, I was like rah rah let's go let's go for STEM let's do this you can do it and now I'm like yeah but no this whole anger <laughs> situation maybe we can tone it down a little bit maybe you can earn some more if you're you know with honey as opposed to <laughs> just stinging around well I think especially the fact that there was kind of this implication that her parents didn't have a lot of money and that for them mm-hmm. to spend the money for her to go to InsomniaCon, but also to send her to Stanford, mm-hmm. those were big pressures for them and those were yeah. not easy financial responsibilities for them to take on. And for me, I was just very aware of that the whole time. Mm-hmm. Like, it didn't seem as though she had a job. It didn't seem as though she no. was, like, chasing scholarships to help, which is all fine. Everybody yeah. paves their own way to their education and I don't have any judgment about who's paying for your education or how. Like, I went to a private university. I had some loans, but my parents were hugely generous and, you know, were so supportive of my education. So I get it. But I do think that the tone was very much like she wasn't humbled by those expenses at all. And clearly they're supportive. You know, whether you feel like they necessarily get you or not is sort of irrelevant because they're taking care of you and they are putting their money where, where your mouth is really not even where their mouth is. Like they are funding what's important to you. So it's kind of irrelevant, like whether they want you to wear eyeliner or not, because ultimately you're getting what you want and you're not having to expend too much extra energy to make it happen. Yeah. I think that was a big one. I was like, careers are struggling. Like they're, it doesn't seem like they're struggling, but it feels like it made it feel like you know that they're more conscious about money. That it's not something, and they're spending all this money on her, on her dreams and desires, and she's still complaining about it. And I'm like, you know, just put the eyeliner. Sometimes just get it over with. It's not the end of the world, right? We all do things for our parents that we don't want to do. Sorry, mom and dad, but. You know that it's true, and I try not to complain very much, but I've done things that I don't want to do because I love you. Yes, that is so true. So let's talk about Rishi because it sounds like you loved him both times, and I loved him very much. I think one of my favorite things about their dynamic is that often the pattern in books and movies is that in these like rom-com style storylines, which this is like full on rom-com. Like this to me is so cinematic. I can see it playing out. I'm over here rallying for it to be the next to all the boys I've loved before. Netflix, can you just make this in the same style? I'd love to watch it. But usually in rom-coms, I think that the female character is like the free spirit, like romantic, the party girl, um, like the one who's like, dreams and like romanticism can't be tamed and then the male character is like much more intense much more career driven much more like stick in the mud style I'm not crazy about the fact that those are the stereotypes that men and women fall into but I liked the fact that there was a little bit of variation Mm -hmm. in these characters like Rishi was a stick in the mud in some ways but he was also the romantic he was the one who really was focusing on family and marriage and like making his parents happy and Dimple was the one who was all career all the time super intense so that was one of my favorite things I just feel like it kind of turned that usual dynamic on its head yeah I definitely did I think 
meeting Rishi was like, he was romantic. He was excited to meet his future wife. He saw the picture and he's like, oh, she, she seems so great. But he's like, this is my future wife. And he was so excited about it. There was the whole thing about being an older child and how he took responsibility. Maybe Dimple, it seems like Dimple was an only child. So maybe she had her only child syndrome. Rishi was like, I'm an older child. I want to be set an example. I'm a role model. I'm going to follow the lead for what my parents want me to do. And I'm going to do the different things. And he was so well-developed as a character. Like, there was an arc within his career path that was, like, something unexpected where he realized, you know, his hobby, his passion, he was like, I want to pursue it. And the whole process of looking that whole career aspect that it wasn't like he went he was going to college gone ho he's like i'm going to go to mit and i'm gonna do this he was like i'm going to mit out of obligation right you know, because my parents want me to do and i want to be a good good older child right like i want to take care of my parents that that's the whole aspect of it he was connected to his culture he was connected to to his experience and he was actually he was happy about it he was happy go lucky and he almost had this romantic twist on mit which is like i'm gonna go and i'm gonna I get my degree so that I can then find my wife and have this amazing home life with her and like take care of my family just like my dad did. And again, regardless of how you feel about those gender norms, like that's how he grew up and that meant a lot to him. Like he got emotional every time he talked about those goals. Mm-hmm. And that was refreshing. It's nice to read about a man, a young man who like values those things, who understands the importance and also the hard work that it takes. Like I don't think that he took for granted the fact that having a family is a big undertaking like he mm-hmm. really took it seriously and he it was something he was very proud of even though it hadn't happened for him yet and you rarely read a male character who expresses that so that was cool too yeah he was he was in touch with his feelings I felt like that was one big thing he was like in touch with them he was sensitive he was driven he just felt like there was just a there was a more depth to his character he's not deterred by her which I appreciated <laughs> like essentially what happens is he shows up at the campus for InsomniaCon. He sees Dimple walking around. She has no idea that she's supposed to be expecting him because her parents have not said anything to her about this arranged marriage situation. Mm-hmm. His parents have told him everything and he's like walking in with a photo of her and his great-grandmother's ring, which is like very intense. And he just like walks up to her and makes a joke as like a nice guy, maybe a little bit too romantic would say. He was like, hey, future wife, like can't wait to spend forever with you haha and she freaks out as Dimple would and as I probably would too I guess if you're raised in a culture where arranged marriage is a thing that doesn't feel like a joke like that feels like it's very maybe all too real and like too close to home and she obviously rejects him off the bat and immediately like calls her parents and yells at them typical Dimple Mm -hmm. and he's like okay well that's awkward and that sucks and that's not what I wanted but I guess I'll hang around for a little bit and see what happens and when she agrees to kind of like let him stay which is funny in itself but I think most guys would have been like no screw this like you were rude to me I don't really want to be a coder I am not that intense about my career I'm going to go home and hang out with my parents for the summer I'm not that worried about the money like my parents aren't going to be mad if I waste the thousand dollars they spent to send me here most guys would have gone home and he just rolled with it he was like no like 
I kind of like you too. You seem like a fun friend. I'll just hang out. Yeah, I love the fact that he was like, I'm just going to give it a try and hang out. And then the whole partner situation when he actually asked Dimple to be his partner on the application. So when they get paired up, Dimple's like, why am I paired up with you? Yeah. He was still rolling over the punches. Even though Dimple was like, I don't want you to be your partner. I don't want you to be here with me. He's like, you know, maybe I'll leave after this. And then, you know, he's like, well, I'm going to hang around a little bit longer. I think in some ways he was hoping that Dimple would come around and be like, okay, you can stay. You're not that bad. Yeah. You can be friends. And I think I loved the fact that he was, like, persistent about it. But he was not persistent about the sense of, like, no, we must be friends or we must be dating or we must be married. He was more like, just going to go with it. Just going to go with the flow. I'm going to let things happen and just see what, what happens, what leads to it. Yeah, I'm here. You're here. We're in San Francisco. That's cool. Like, what else am I doing this summer? We'll just see what happens. I just thought that was really cool of him. When they got paired as partners, obviously we all saw that coming. Yeah. <laughs> um, basically, they're pairing off into groups. They can create these apps that will then be their submissions for the content at the end of the summer and whoever wins gets the chance to partner with Jenny Lind who is this like super hardcore successful app developer who Dimple is obsessed with and Mm -hmm. so naturally she is so fixated on winning and all of the students are partnered up and naturally Dimple and Rishi are matched. I mean it would have happened randomly if Rishi hadn't requested Dimple because that's what the story had to do but I liked that there was kind of this like lol moment where Rishi was like oh um so like I kind of thought we were going to be getting married so I put your name down in the application oops yeah sorry <laughs> yeah so I really like talking about the whole contest I wish there was more about the whole camp of the STEM situation I would yeah. like to know more about the coding and what they do and all the different things but I love the talent show scene when Dimple when Dimple was like I got the dance the talent show down we're gonna do a dance we're gonna do this and you're gonna be dancing to Rishi yeah <laughs> and Rishi's like okay he was like really game for it even though Rishi had no talent whatsoever he was like I guess she wants me to dance I guess I'm gonna do it it's not the end of the world it was great and then you know then Dimple was the one who needed to dance that was you know that's how the story unfolds but Rishi was just another example he was like I'm just gonna go with the flow what she wants me to do I guess I'll do it yeah well and at that point I think they had already fallen in love more and so he was like definitely I will definitely dance if that's what I have to do <laughs> I it did make me laugh that um like the talent show was such a huge factor in the trend for their summer because like you said I was looking for a little bit more of like the mechanics of the program because I thought it was so cool like I was interested in Insomnia Con as a construct and like I said I'm sure there are similar programs that actually exist now for high school students and college students there's so much buildup I felt at the beginning where Dimple was talking about Insomnia Con and getting really psyched about what she was going to do there and then obviously we get into the exposition about her meeting Rishi and their relationship which was great and I loved it but then I kind of thought there would be more at the end about how they were actually going about building their app. And we got a little bit of how like each of them were contributing their strengths to the project, but it wasn't as much as I would have liked. And it just cracked me up that we didn't get any of that, but we did get like a bunch of chapters where they're preparing for a talent show that's mm-hmm. apparently going to play like a huge role in whether or not they can win the prize for the whole summer. Yeah, it was like, really? <laughs> you know, this whole comes down to a talent show? And it, and then she has like, this whole construct about who wins. Is it a magic show? Is it a dance show? Is it this show? You know, it was just like, okay, but they're supposed to be coding. They're supposed to be building an app. Like, where's the app situation? It was more like, 
I'm going to be dancing. And then, you know, maybe I should dance it. And then this is Bollywood. You know, it was all about the talent show. The talent show became kind of like the whole $1,000 experience. It's the talent show that they're doing. Which they win $1,000, but still. <laughs> I feel like the scene was sort of written into the book just in hopes that there would be a movie deal at some point. Yeah. Like, because this would be so fun in a movie. Like, you can see the montage of them prepping for the dance. And it would be interesting to have that, like, cut with a montage of them working on their app. Like, you can see, like, in one shot, they're in a library late at night. In the next shot, they're in one of their rooms, like, practicing and working on their costumes. So, cinematically, that would be super cool. It's looking to me in my head like a Disney Channel movie. Like, it, it just seems so fun. But in the book, I, I was like, uh, I don't, I'm not that interested in you guys practicing for a dance routine, I want to know how you're going to win for the summer. And like you said, they win the talent show. Unfortunately, spoiler alert, they do not win the big prize for their app. And I'm like, well, maybe if we'd spent a little bit more time thinking about the app than on the dance routine, we would have had a different result. That is true. Although the moral story was that the people who won for the app, they donated the money. So it was the drunk zombies. They were like, you know, but the average zombies were kind of like an interesting character. I yeah. was like, Harry was Indian. Yes. Uh, yeah. So there are these kind of like cool kids at the camp. Yeah. And there's four of them. There's Harry and Evan. And like you said, Harry is Indian. And Evan is white, but Harry is like super Americanized, like even more so than Dimple, which is interesting because she's kind of judging him for being so American and it's for the first time where she's looking at herself and being like, oh wait, am I not embracing my culture enough? Because look at this guy who is completely pushing his culture away. Like he doesn't pronounce his name in the way that it was probably given to him, which as I understand would have been Hari. He gets mad when people call him that. He just wants to be Harry. So those are the two guys. And then there's Celia who is Dimple's roommate. They met on like Facebook before, which is so of its time. And Isabel, who is, I believe Evan's cousin, yeah. who is just like the hot girl at camp. So Celia originally is Dimple's BFF. They're rooming together, but she falls in with this kind of like cool group and is partnered with them on the project and is convinced to do this like pretty racy dance in the talent show in bikinis and she shows up drunk and it's like a whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the other zombies were a whole thing. The whole dinner situation was the whole thing. Ugh. When they went to dinner, they, they, go, they went to this very expensive dinner and they're like, they're rude to Rishi and they're rude to Dimple. And it's, it's like, why are you so rude to them? And they're like, because they were rude to us. It was just like, we're better than you are. So the whole storyline was just like, I knew they wanted so it show contrast and to have a villain, but I could just be over. Like, I really couldn't care less about the upper zombies. I was like, ah. We can just skip it. I would have liked more Celia. Like, if anything, I thought at least Celia was functional in the story, not only because we find out later that she kind of has this affair going on with Rishi's brother, which is fun, but also because at the end of the book, you know, she confesses to Dimple that this whole relationship that she's been having with the three cool kids is an expression of the fact that she didn't have cool friends in high school and she's trying to get a second chance and so like she recognizes that she's made some questionable decisions just because she wants to be cool and I think that's something we can all relate to people have made screw-ups like that all the time and the fact that she's then able to recognize it apologize for it and ultimately like get together with Rishi's brother Mm -hmm. I think that's cool I liked her I think she was 
was a good friend for Dimple to have. I was kind of thinking at the beginning that she had ulterior motives, though. There was one scene, I can't remember exactly what the circumstances were, but there was one scene where, like, they were thinking about being partners or something, and they decided not to be, or they weren't going to request each other, or maybe it was after the dinner when they realized they hadn't gotten along. I can't quite remember, but Dimple is like, well, I guess we can just, like, live together and help each other out. Like, we can talk about our apps, even if we're not going to be partners. And Tilly's like, oh, yeah, like, that would be great. And for some reason, the tone in which it was written made me think, like, maybe she was going to be a spy of some sort for the other team, and that obviously wasn't true. And she ended up being kind of just this innocent, if anything, naive character. Yeah, yeah, she was a naive character. I think I would be interested, because Celia was, like, Dominican, she was from San Francisco, she had, she came from money, and it was, like, an interesting dynamic that I would normally wouldn't see in the other characters, and I wanted to see more in depth about her experience, what it looks like, you know, not just being with the cold kids, but also being with this whole affair situation. Because she was a party girl, that's how I that's how it came up and you know how she was like you know we met at our parties for the past year so yeah that's how we hooked up because i know her for a year it wasn't like randomly they just hook up it was like no i've known her for a year like we we party so you know how her experience from being a party girl to then going to insomnia con what would the experience look like? And, you know, not just being Evan or Harry's, I don't know which, what, what was her teammate um, group was. Um, I think her teammate was Evan. Yeah, because yeah. they were then sort of like, I don't know if they were sleeping together or just hooking up, yeah. but she was sort of like letting him continue to come to their room and quote unquote hang out even after he was being a complete asshole to her. So I think yeah. they were like partners and also sort okay. of spending quality time together as it were. Yeah. Yeah, I would like to have more, know more about Celia and her experience in the Somnicon. Hmm. That was just about the whole romance that happened or the hooking up. Yeah. So. Something that I just loved about this book overall, and I'll, you know, this will be a little bit of personal history of Ali Hofkasik here, but um, something that I loved was that I went to a similar program when I was going into senior year. So I was a year younger than Dimple and Rishi would have been um, or were in the book. And it was a journalism camp, which I think I've referenced on the podcast a few times. Maddie Boardman, who was the guest on the Sloppy Firsts episode early on, is a friend that I made at journalism camp, and she's still one of my best friends to this day. So funny how those things work out. But I related to so much of like the feelings that, that these kids were having about being away from home and starting to assert their independence and kind of like creating these social groups on their own. I also had a bit of a romance at my program. <laughs> and so I related to like a lot of the awkward situations that they were managing and like a lot of the intense feelings that come with being in this very small world with somebody for mm -hmm a few weeks. I think my program was five weeks, which is even shorter than InsomniaCon. That's nothing. Five weeks is nothing. But when you're in this very small world with like 60 kids, the person that you're seeing in that setting, it feels very intense because your world is so small and your social circles are so small and the conversations you're having are so small. But I cared like very deeply for this person. And quite honestly, he was probably my first love. Whether it's the same love that I feel for my husband now is obviously a much different question, but I really related to Dimple and Rishi's feelings. Like the intensity of meeting somebody in that kind of a setting is real. And mm -hmm. I felt for them. Like I, I just found myself flashing back to a lot of those moments myself. So in that way, this was an extremely nostalgic read for me, even though it wasn't a throwback book, a book that I'd read a long time ago in a different way. It was nostalgic. I really enjoyed that. It brought me back to 
some kind of special, like, unique times in my life. Yeah, I love it. I wish I was going to a summer camp. <laughs> my parents would have sent me summer camp, though. I've been, like, have that intense experience of, like, just being in a bubble, having some freedom, but not so much freedom, just kind of, like, having a group of friends and just, just navigating what being a teenager looks like. Yeah, and like Celia, I felt very insecure in high school, and I happened to kind of feel a little cooler at journalism camp. Um, the boy that I was seeing was kind of a cool boy, and I fell in with a quieter group when I first got there, but because I was seeing this boy, like, suddenly I was a little bit more popular, a little cooler. Again, in a group of journalism campers. So, you know, <laughs> let's be real here. Let's, let's, this is all relative. But like Celia, like I got some satisfaction out of that. I'm not going to lie. It felt cool to have a little bit more social capital than I was used to having. Yeah. And I certainly did not stoop to Celia's level, but I really related to her. Maybe that's why I liked her so much. Enough about me though. We haven't talked at all about Rishi's art, which is a huge part of the story and really what Dimple helps him with. So we find out that Rishi is actually a really talented artist and a huge fan of graphic novels and comic books. He's invited to this little comic con on the campus of the college where they're staying. Dimple goes with him and finds out all these things about like his favorite artists and finds out that he's really talented himself. He's drawn a whole comic book himself featuring an Indian main character, an Indian superhero, which is super cool. Mm-hmm. And he like the good Indian son that he is has kind of like squelched that passion and he's like this isn't going to be a career this will just distract from my focus which needs to be making my parents proud and supporting my family and so I can't devote any time or energy to being an artist and Dimple and her like super passionate super career driven self is like what are you talking about this is clearly what you love to do and so that's sort of a conflict between the two of them throughout the book. Yeah, I love that arc. I think that was my, it was kind of like a hidden treasure when we meet Rishi. We just hear about his family commitment, his commitment going to MIT and doing all the right things. And then knowing that this little kernel of truth where it's like, no, but his passion lies on drawing and he's actually really passionate about it. And how it started to unfold by just meeting, having to meet one guy about this little comic con and just showing up late to, to Insomnicon because he had that meeting. He's like, you know, maybe I'll go, maybe I'll attend, you know, knowing that that's where his passion lies. It was just kind of like a fun arc and love the ending when it, when it uncovers that he's just going to San Francisco State University as opposed to going back to MIT. It was just like, you know, having that opportunity where it's like, you know, Dimple intervened and he got mad at her intervening, but then it worked out because the person she intervenes with was able to communicate to his parents, like, this is what he's good at. This is his passion. He's really good at this specific thing. And his dad was cool with it, which I loved. Like, you're always waiting for there to be this huge confrontation scene in a situation like this, but the dad was like, okay. Okay. Yeah. That's that's cool. If that's what you want to do, that's cool. And I think a lot of people can relate to that too, where it's like you have this big, ugly secret that you think is going to be earth shattering to your parents or to somebody else you care about. And when you present it to them in the right way, they're like, oh no, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, it's totally fine. He was like, it's not the end of the world. Just kind of like, you can just go and do your thing. (laughs) Yeah. And he needed Dimple to open his eyes to the fact that that was a viable choice for him. And he needed Dimple to send the email to the comic book artist with PDFs of his art because he was too shy to actually show the guy his sketches. So Dimple took that into her own hands. Flipping the script, Rishi had sort of done something similar in that once Dimple's app lost the contest, 
he got a hold of Jennifer. Yeah, yeah, he, like, emailed her and, like, got her a one-on-one anyway. So they both kind of helped each other, like, get what they wanted and needed for their careers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. I understood why Rishi was, like, wasn't comfortable when Dimple said that she did the same. She intervened and did the same thing for him. Mm -hmm. Um, But then seeing the outcome and seeing, like, it all worked out, it's just, like, I think he felt, not ashamed, but he felt uncomfortable being seen as a comic book artist i think he wasn't he wasn't comfortable in that skin so it just it's gonna take some time but that he's doing what he's passionate about that's what he's meant to do and i think that's true like it's much easier maybe for her to like own the persona of being a coder and Mm -hmm. like sharing that with somebody who's very successful than it is for him with his background and with his initial plan to present himself that way to like his comic book idol that's like a humbling experience and something he definitely wasn't ready for and I think she acknowledges the fact that his art is an extremely intimate part of who he is Mm -hmm. in a way that maybe coding while it's something that she loves and is really good at it it wasn't intimate for her in the same way that drawing was for Rishi yeah drawing he brought the culture he brought his his own experience he brought his feelings it was very intimate it was just basically seeing a window of Rishi's art and Rishi's self you know, even the characters he created were so connected to what his experience looks like. So it just definitely brought something more intimate about it than Dimple's coding. is like, yeah, it was, it was something familiar, something connected to her family, but it wasn't connected to her own full self. I thought that the way that their sort of like professional or their like educational stories finished was a lot more interesting than the way that their relationship story finished. Guys, they end up together. Shock of the century. They <laughs> yeah. get back together and the way that it ha- they break up because Dimple gets cold feet at the end of camp. Happens to the best of us. And then everybody's sad and then they get back together. Sorry to ruin it, but that's what happens. And it's really not that interesting. What's interesting is the way that their individual goals play out both Mm -hmm. when they're together and then when they spend some time apart. So I really enjoyed that. I liked that in the end, they both did get it all. Like they get to be together. They both get to pursue their goals. And I appreciated that very much. Yeah. And then they're going to be in the same coast. (laughs) So it made us seem like, you know, this whole end of the world, you know, what's going to happen. He's in Boston. She's in Stanford. You know, no, he's in San Francisco. (laughs) So. So much easier. We've just eliminated a huge obstacle. Yeah, so they can be together. One thing I want to talk about is Rishi's younger brother. Oh, yeah. An interesting character. Totally. He's getting his sequel. He's getting his own book, which I'm actually looking forward to reading. Yeah, I'm excited to read that, too. He was cool. He was cool. I was like, you know, I understood, like, Rishi was, like, you know, against his younger brother because his younger brother was, like, you know, against his culture. He was doing his own thing. He was partying. He was basketball. He was, like, chill out. But. He was actually really helpful to Rishi and Dimple throughout the whole talent show process and even through the breakup situation. He was just there. He was like a good brother. He was very so, kind is the word that I would yeah. use. Like he was very sensitive and kind and he was younger. Like he wasn't used to taking on the role of being like needed by Rishi. Yeah. And he, I think, rose to that occasion really well. Yeah, he did. So I was glad to see him and I was glad I was glad to see that experience that he was actually a prominent character within the book. Yeah, I think Ashish might be the MVP of this one. I really liked him a lot. 
So this being the first New Reads November episode, I want to step back a little and talk briefly about like, you. so you've listened to other episodes of the podcast. You know the problems we talk about. You know some of the patterns that come up that are uncomfortable or icky. You also know the things that we've celebrated about books that were written in decades past. So comparing this book, which again was written in 2017, to those books, like what do you think a book that was written so recently for teens does more successfully than the books that we've read in episodes past? And where do you think maybe it comes up short compared to some of those older books? So I think for me, this book brings own voices. It's an own voices diverse read. So mm-hmm. you talk about the culture. So a lot of the books in the books past have been just mainly probably white female characters or white male characters. So their experience is just like purely white privileged experience. Mm-hmm. Well, here we hear about Indian American experience, which is a whole unique, and even the Indian American is in the gradual levels of like how they're connected. We see the very Americanized Harry, you know, character towards, you know, Rishi, who's, like, connected to his culture. Mm. So I think that's something that it brings in, like, just brings a little different shades of gray. I think that's something that's useful. So just as a book, that it just brings a different different experience. I think when books pass, I would be honest, I think just really, 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 it would be interesting to reread some of those book past and just getting to experience. I think when I think back... I just feel nostalgic. It just reminds me of a time in my life where I just, that's what I did. I read Sweet Valley High or I read mm-hmm. Babysitter's Club. They were my go-to. You know, Babysitter's Club was my go-to entrepreneur. They, they mm-hmm. taught me that I can actually have my own side hustle, you know. I can actually make my own money and do my own thing and have a group of friends. I think that's the other part of me, the friendship aspect, that some of the some of the books in the past that I read, they had a stronger friendship mm-hmm. um, than in this book. This book is mainly a ro- romantic comedy. There's no, like, stronger friends. It's just, like, they're new friendships. They're intense, but they're new friendships. They're not established friendships that have been around for time. I think that's a great point. I echo everything you said about culture. I also echo what you said about friendships. I was thinking the same thing. I, I loved Celia, as I mentioned, and I think she was a good friend to Dimple, but it would have been interesting if she'd had, like, a friend at home that she was emailing while she was at InsomniaCon. That was something that I had when I was at Journalism camp like I was always emailing and Facebook messaging my friends at home and that helped keep me grounded with everything that was going on and I if it would have been interesting and sort of illuminating about her personality and maybe would have shown us another side of her outside of just like yelling at her parents and being frustrated all the time so I agree with that I think the stem element in this book was really great we didn't hear about it specifically I think in the ways that you and I would have liked to so that was lacking but I, I think the fact that the whole book is built on this premise of a young girl who has aspirations of becoming a famous app developer mm-hmm. that's amazing it's extremely of its time and to be completely honest that could lose something in translation 10 15 years from now but the fact that she is passionate about science passionate about math passionate about careers that have not always been geared toward women awesome love that we need more of that i also thought that the way that this book handled conversations about like sex and disappointing your parents great i thought that was really well handled Definitely progressive, but not too progressive. I think most parents would be fairly comfortable with the way that the book presented those situations, but it pushed the envelope a little bit more than books that were written 10, 15 years ago. So I think that was well-balanced, and um, I, I generally love this book. Like you said, we miss the nostalgia. It'll be interesting to see how a book like this holds up 
10, 15 years from now, I do think it's extremely of its time. There's a lot of like extremely time-specific references with like the technology and stuff. And I don't know that that always sustains. Um, I'm noticing that with some of the books that I'm reading for our throwback episodes. But all in all, I enjoyed it. Like I said, I'm really campaigning for like a Netflix adaptation. Yeah, I think this should be a Netflix adaptation. Maybe with the troll of the voice of love before, maybe this will be option too. I think there's there's a sense of these books are coming up, they're why books are recent, they're they're good for TV T V yeah. screens or movie screens like Love Simon and The Hate You Give and Twelve the Love of Before. Like this will be another one that would be like I would love to see in a TV in a TV series or just in a movie. Yeah, it felt very much like to all the boys I've loved before to me as a book. You're basically creating what feels like a very standard rom-com story that we've all read a hundred times before with white characters and you're giving an Indian girl an opportunity to be the star and I think that was very similar to what happened with To All the Boys I Loved Before and look at how successful not only that book but now that movie has been so um I think that there's definitely some similarities in the way those two books were done. And I hope that when Dipple met Rishi has a similar future. Yes, me too. Thank you so much for choosing it. So before we say goodbye, I know you're a huge reader. I think I read somewhere, and correct me if I'm wrong, did I read somewhere that you read 362 books in a year one time? Yes, I read 362 books in 2017. (laughs) So this year I read 179, so I've slowed down my reading pace. Okay, and it's October 3rd, Mean Girls Day. It's October 3rd, so you're behind your pace, but that's still extremely impressive. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So you have no shortage, I'm sure, of book recommendations. And as always, I'd love if you could share something that you're reading now or something that you've read recently that you think the SSR community should have on their TBR lists. So so if you like One Dimplement Rishi, then you should read My So-Called Bollywood Life. That's like a good combination. So it's about... New Jersey Indian American who is obsessed with Bollywood movies is a white contemporary cool. uh, that came out this year. So if you like this book, then you should read that. Uh, if you run, if you like the grown up version, then a place for us will be um, a grown up version of an Indian American experience. I think what I'm currently reading. So I just read a couple of celebrity memoirs. So Busy Phillips' celebrity memoir is actually oh. really good. Hmm. Um, and Ellie Kemper's, I'm actually almost done with it. Um, they both are. They both had similar aspects. They both met the Pope, which was an interesting to read them back to back. And I was like, okay. Oh, that is interesting. <laughs> it's interesting. I was like, I didn't have any conversation about meeting the Pope, you know. But there's like two back to back books about that. Yeah. Books recently that I read that I really enjoyed. When the product things. Um, which is about the Cal- North Carolina marshes. Mm. Um, it's about a six-year-old who got abandoned, and then she actually makes her name for herself. So it's actually really good. There's a murder mystery with it. Cool. The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Brady. Um, she died. She did get married for seven times. So, but her love of her life is not one of her husbands. So it was a really good book. And I am currently reading Little Fires Everywhere by Celeste Yang. I love that book so much. I read quite a few books. I read about two or three books at the same time. And I just, I pace them and I try to just diverse, dive into one book in a day. I want to be you when I grow up with your reading <laughs> schedule. That's that's seriously impressive. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually, I now pace it, I think... For the month of January, I read 20 books, and now I'm, like, reading about three books a week. So it just 
it depends. I've been reading more in depth. Like, I'm reading more heavier books, so it's taking me some time. There are months that I'm, like, I can read a book. I think this weekend I read four books. So some weekends I can read four or five books, and other weekends I can just read one or two books, and I'm still happy with it. Oh, my gosh. You are a reading rock star, my friend. I'm going to link all of those books that you just recommended in the show notes. I'm also going to link to When Dimple Met Rishi because I really think that if you enjoy the podcast, you'll enjoy this book. It's a really quick read and just pretty Mm -hmm. fun and light and um, enjoyable. As I said, for me, it wasn't a nostalgic read and that I didn't read it when I was in high school, but it brought back a lot of feelings that I had when I was like a senior in high school, freshman in college. So if you just kind of want to be taken back to that time, I absolutely read the book. I will also include a link to Laura's podcast, What to Read Next, which is super great. I would absolutely recommend that you check it out. It's one of my favorite book podcasts out there, and I just think you do a really great job with it. So I hope that everybody checks it out. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Absolutely. Thank you for being here. I had so much fun chatting with you, and I have a feeling we have a lot more book talk in our future. We do. All right. Have a good night. Bye. Thanks thanks so much for listening to the ssr podcast check out our website at www.ssrpodcast.com for show notes and other information and be sure to connect with us on social media for updates on upcoming episodes behind the scenes inside scoop and some good old-fashioned book talk find us at ssr pod on instagram and twitter and search ssr podcast on facebook to join the group to reach out directly, you can send me an email at hellossrpod at gmail.com. If you're loving the show, it would mean so much if you could subscribe, leave a five-star review, and share your thoughts with a comment. And don't forget to tell your friends, too. In the meantime, happy reading. I'll see you next time on the SSR Podcast. <laughs>